Ahlan wa sahlan. That means welcome in Arabic. I'm Mukwai Wabesi Olway. Today on Afropop Worldwide from PRX, we take you deep into the emotional essence of Arab music to experience the ecstatic power of Tahrab. In the years since this program was first produced, a lot has happened in Syria, Lebanon, Egypt, and Israel, all places where the musicians you're about to hear were recorded. The cultural city of Aleppo, Syria, in particular, has been devastated by war. Despite many tragedies, we believe that this beautiful music will carry on, as it has, for centuries, hopefully toward a brighter, more peaceful future. Here's Georges Collinet with Tahrab, the art of ecstasy in Arab music. A live audience responds to the voice of Wadi Al-Safi. The master Lebanese singer's concert is just beginning, but already there is Tara, or ecstasy, in the air. Hello, Georges Collinet with you on Afropop Worldwide from PRX. This edition, the music of Tara. is an overpowering emotional wave that inundates Arab musicians and their audiences when the music is just right. Tarab is a very interesting concept that Arab musicians speak about. It refers to the music that creates ecstasy, that transforms musicians and listeners alike. But also, it means ecstasy itself, which is an indication that the music is directly linked to transformation, to emotional evocation. That's Professor A.J. Rassi of UCLA, a veteran scholar and musician and author of a book called Making Music in the Arab World, the Culture and Artistry of Tara. Professor Rassi would be the first to tell you that ecstatic music is everywhere. African drummers have their percussive trances. Indian musicians fall under the spell of raga and tala. Flamenco musicians have duende, jazz players have groove. Even rockers and ravers probably experience their own special varieties of musical ecstasy. But as we'll see in this program, the blend of modes, rhythms, timbres, and techniques of improvisation in Arab music generates a unique variety of pleasure. And that is Tarab. What's interesting is sometimes the emotion of Tarab becomes a conveyor, a powerful catalyst to lend certain power to the message. The music itself becomes a very powerful medium. Professor Rassi says that in every concert, Arab musicians strive to make not only the audience, but they themselves ecstatic. The tarab felt by the musicians as they perform is called saltana, and it's never guaranteed. You only produce saltana when every aspect of a performance comes together perfectly. The pacing, the cadences, the modulations between different musical modes, and the interplay between accompanists 
and soloists. All of these things really, if they're done well, of course, uh, create music that is ecstatic, music that has saltana, where you're inspired, there's a sense of surrender. You're overpowered, something haunts you, something dominates you. But by being overpowered, you're empowered. You, be, you, you develop that magic, that fire, that transcendence that allows you to excel. To excel and to endure. When the Darab is flowing in his hometown, Aleppo in Syria, master singer Saba Fakri has been known to perform for 10 hours without a break. Let's hear a piece from a 1978 live performance by Saba Fakri in Paris. Oh, 
Syria's Saba Fakri bringing down the house. Georges Collinet with you on Afropop Worldwide. By the way, this kind of response, jumping up, shouting, whistling and clapping, is one way an audience can display tarab, or musical ecstasy. But our tarab authority, Professor A.J. Rassi, says that there are different types of listeners at an Arab music concert. Most important are the calm, contemplative ones. Those known as Samiya. You have two types of listeners. You have those who listen quietly. Nevertheless, they um, show their deep involvement with the music. They may shake their heads, they may close their eyes, they may move their body in a sway, in a certain way. But you can tell that they're really connected. They're really connected. They call them Samia. Samia is singular and Samia plural. And Samia are really the life and spirit of the performance because musicians look at those uh, types of listeners in the audience and establish visual contact and musical contact, mainly because these are the listeners who produce the feedback, the emotional, auditory, visible feedback with the artists. And the artist gets inspired by those types of listeners. So these are the Samia, the very, very important uh, portion of the audience. That's Professor Rassi playing a solo flute improvisation, or taksim, in a recent concert with his group. As we listen, he's going to tell us what it is in this performance that inspires Tarab. Number one is the sound of the instrument. Uh, often uh, times, listeners from that part of the world respond to the timbre, to the breathiness of the flute, to the almost singing quality of the instrument. Another very important component is the mode, the uh, maqam, the maqam I chose, uh, namely bayati, is one of the maqams that often uh, spoken of as being very ecstatic. Also, I must say, drones are very ecstatic. Droning means emphasizing the sense of tonic, and that really inspires the performer to go into that state of sultana. Gives you a very strong reference, and if it's done properly in a subtle way, it could be tremendously powerful.
Another thing would be the um, kind of pacing. Controlling that balance between understating and overstating, allowing for pauses, uh, creating certain kind of minimalism, or saying a lot through saying less. Thank you.
That's A.J. Rassi on Bouzouk and Simon Shaheen on Oud from a recording made in the early 80s. And before that, we heard Professor Rassi and his group in a more recent concert recorded in Colorado. When musicians like these play together, I tell you the tarab or ecstasy they try to awaken in the listeners begins with their own experience, with that feeling they called saltana. Saltana refers to the inspirational state that musicians experience before and during the performance. It's a transitory state. It's very delicate. Although it's a mystical state in a sense that we don't totally understand how it develops, why at certain moments. Uh, some musicians say, well, we cannot induce it. it. just comes and goes. Others say, well, in the old days, in the early 20th century, people believed in some sort of cosmic energy or the zodiacs and things like this. It goes to medieval times, not anymore today. But in any case, it's a state that musicians try to introduce in terms of both uh, the physical ambience of the performance and the music itself. <laughs>
Georges Collinet, and you're listening to Afropop Worldwide from PRX. In his book, Making Music in the Arab World, Professor Rassi gives a history of Tarab in Arab music. He says that during the 20th century, Western ideas, like the strict use of musical notation, came into fashion, and Tarab was considered less important than before. Professor Rassi says that one source of Tarab that has faded in recent years is the technique known as heterophony. Heterophony is a musical texture that is created when musicians are more or less playing the same piece, but each one of them is interpreting that piece his or her own way. When you hear the musicians, they're sort of dividing labor. Each one is emphasizing different notes. Somebody's skipping a note to be filled by another one. This texture, which is called heterophony, was very popular in the early 20th century. One artist who always stayed true to the art of Tarab during her long career was the monumentally popular Egyptian singer Um Kalthoum. Performing songs that could last an hour, Um Kalthoum packed concert halls right up to her death in 1975. In the uh, newer repertoire, the best thing I can cite would be Um Kalthoum's uh, songs from the 1940s and 50s, sort of the golden age of Um Kalthoum. In those songs, if you focus on the later part of the song, say maybe a two-thirds from the beginning of the song, something very interesting happens, something that emulates the old style of the early 20th century. The accompaniment becomes minimal. The metric patterns become very basic, just the one accent, they call it wahda. And then they allow the singer to elaborate, to loosen up, to depart from the strictness of the meter and the melody. The orchestra provides fillers in between the phrases, and those fillers are a very good example of heterophony. What they're doing there is extremely ecstatic. It's really an art form. It's very complex.
Kalthum in 1943, sharing the ecstatic Arab experience with a live audience in Egypt.
That's singer Emil Zrihan sending shivers down the spine of a live audience in Israel with his fabulously supple voice. Georges Collinet with you on Afropop Worldwide's Look at Tarab, or Musical Ecstasy in Arab Music. Emil Zrihan was born in Morocco of Sephardic Jewish ancestry. He sings in both Arabic and Hebrew, and his international touring ensemble features mostly Moroccan musicians. So, given all that, is Tarab the right word to describe the feeling Emil's music delivers? Well, it's a little like many popular singers throughout the Arab world. They may not be Tarab singers in the strict classical sense, but when a performance hits those high points of emotional connection with an audience, well, at a certain point, ecstasy is ecstasy. <laughs> From Aleppo, Syria, ensemble Al-Kindi with Sufi singer Sheikh Hamza Shakur, renowned for his interpretive Quranic chanting. In Sufi Islam, Tarab singing is closely linked with spiritual transcendence. We've talked about sound textures, modes and orchestration as ecstatic elements in an Arab musical performance. Professor Rassi says that the lyrics a singer sings can also generate Tarab. Lyrics really add to the Tarab experience a certain dimension. If you study the lyrics in Arab music, love itself is portrayed as a very transforming experience, very much like the idea of a Sufi or mystical love. You really become different. You sleep less, you get thinner, you miss the beloved, you experience the pleasantness and the sadness together combined. You experience the anticipation but also the deprivation. So all of these, as a complex, becomes a very interesting metaphor for musical transformation. We're going to hear a performance by Ensemble Al-Kindi. The singer here is Omar Sarmini, and the poetry and music are deeply rooted in Sufism, the mystical sect of Islam. This combines Tumwasha, that's a traditional genre, usually associated with Al-Andalus, or medieval Arab-ruled Moorish Spain. Oh, 
Ensemble Al-Kindi with Omar Sarmini singing the lead. I'm Georges Collinet and you're listening to Afropop Worldwide from PRX. In Sufi Islam, Tarab singing began with Quranic chanting, which gradually became more and more artfully ornamented. Here's an example from a Moroccan Sufi singer in Ensemble Ibn Arabi. As Professor Rassi points out, such intensely emotional music has at times been condemned. The history of music in Islam is no simple story. Tarab as an emotion, like most strong emotions, can be threatening to so many people. The idea of succumbing to some kind of powerful sound that elicits some behaviors that seem to go out of the ordinary can raise some brows, can, uh, can raise some suspicions. So you find that music and musicians have been uh, subjected to various um, prohibitions, if you will, or attitudes of conservatism and certain contexts include music and so on. Music itself, as well as mysticism itself, has created codes of behaviors. Uh, I think um, Ghazali's writings are really like a constitution of how to maintain the right conduct, the right behavior when you reach ecstasy, when you go into trance, when you experience sama or listening. So you find that tension throughout history between restriction and allowing these very important uh, expressions to continue, but with certain kind of control, with kind of discipline, with a set of codes that assign music to specific contexts that are socially acceptable. Sufi brotherhoods were responsible for spreading Islam and Tarab music throughout the Mediterranean and into Africa, especially after the 11th century. We've heard examples of Tarab music in Morocco and Egypt. The influence moved down the East African coast from Cairo, and today there is a diverse genre of music in Kenya and Tanzania that goes by the name of Tarab. East African Tarab, heard on other Afropop programs, incorporates influences from Indian and African music as well. Here's a taste from the Culture Musical Club of Zanzibar. Arab music we've heard from Morocco and Egypt comes from cities such as Cairo and Fez, but African Tarab music closely tied to Sufi tradition also exists in more remote places. In Ishan, a town along the banks of the Nile, 
a blind singer named Sheikh Ahmad Bahain is considered the most important Mada, a singer of Arabic poetry. In the Sufi tradition, Sheikh Bahain combines secular and religious arts, merging them together in the experiential delight of Tarab. We close our look at Tarab music with an excerpt from a lengthy performance by the Sheikh. The notes to this album tell us that he holds the rig tambourine close to his face as he sings, engaging its tiny cymbalettes in a rhythmic dialogue with the drum and using his voice to awaken the deepest of emotions in his listeners. إن قل ما لي فلا خلني يصاحبني
That's Sheikh Ahmad Bahain, a blind Sufi singer from northern Egypt, wrapping up our look at Tarab, or ecstasy in Arab music. You can find out musical details from today's show and read more about Tarab on our website, www.afropop.org. You can find us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at AfropopWW. Funding for Afropop Worldwide comes from the National Endowment for the Arts, which believes a great nation deserves great art, and from PRX affiliate stations around the U.S. And thank you for supporting your public radio station. My Afropop partner is Sean Barlow. Sean produces our program for World Music Productions, research and production for this program by Banning Air. And be sure to subscribe to our podcast, including radio programs and our Planet Afropop series. Looking ahead to 2024, set your sights on Camp Afropop. Three days of musical magic featuring Natu Kamara, Bakiti Kumalo, Pedrito Martinez, Yakuba Sisoko, Samba Mapangala, and Jake Blunt. Join me and the Afropop team for interactive workshops, jam sessions, and late-night dance parties at the 100-acre Full Moon Resort in the Catskill Hills, May 28 to the 31st, 2024. Visit campafropop.org for details. That's campafropop.org. And don't forget to join us next week for another edition of Afropop Worldwide. Our chief audio engineer is Michael Jones. Additional engineering by GC at the Syncopated Lair in Washington, D.C. This program was mixed in Brooklyn by Michael Jones. Banning Air and Savion Biggs edit our website, afropop.org. Our director of development is Mukwe Wabeisi Yolwe. Our director of new media is Savion Biggs. And I'm Georges Collinet. Happy New Year!